Sorry, please continue. They've become an abhorrent band. No, but yes, when they, the, the when day they, they first, started making music, they became an abhorrent when band. When they first came out, though, yeah, I, 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 liked, I liked their vibe. Hello and welcome back to the Ear Fuel podcast. As always, I'm Joel Freemark, and you can follow me on Twitter at, at @getearfuel and at the Daily Guru. The podcast is always available in the iTunes and Google Play stores under Ear Fuel and at getearfuel.com. This week, there will be no album review. Sorry, you should go check out the brand new record from Tanari Wen. We will talk about that next time. Well worth your ears. And the reason there's no album review though is I have an extended conversation in store for today because it's Valentine's Day, and I wanted to take some time to discuss you know, the idea of romantic music, but a bit beyond just, you know, this song is great for getting it on, and this song is cool for setting the mood, and things like that. Don't worry, we will discuss plenty of solid tracks for setting the mood, but beyond that, I wanted to explore what it is that makes certain songs speak to people in a romantic tone. And it also provided me an opportunity to not so subtly pry information from my guest. That guest is my wife. But, you know, I figured since it's Valentine's Day and the the heart-shaped, object-giving time of year, that if I was going to talk about romantic music and things like that, it'd probably be really advantageous, if nothing less, to have you be a part of the conversation. I would think so. I mean, I know what romantic is because I'm romantic as crap. But I, I think I might learn something in this conversation with you in terms of music that you find to be romantic. And then I may cleverly use this as a convenient time to bring up some questions that I have. Um, sure. What the heck was That's that? That's Alfie scratching on the floor. So... <laughs> Everyone's going to get some interesting ambience of the apartment here. There will be random dog noises, I'm sure. I don't know what he's... I think he's trying to get a bone right now. I think that's... Speaking of... This, there you this go. is a great topic. There you hey. go. Hey, oh, hey. So anyway, <laughs> when you think of romantic music, for me at least, there are kind of two different things. Yeah. There's romantic music and then there's music for getting down and doing the deed. That is a, a very guy thing to it's think a, uh-huh. well i don't want to say that because i don't i don't want to discount all of the the ladies out there who like a good like booty music mix and you know women who are want, you referring like, to the uh, the cd set that i put together in college yes i am um backstory quick backstory because that's what this is going to be a little bit in college i was one of the first people to have a cd burner because i was a huge nerd it was this really long thing like the size it was probably the length of an old CD long box that you used to get in the early 90s. Sure. You used to sell those, I'm sure, when you were at working Sam at Goody. Sam Goody. Oh, yes. Right. Anyway, I was like, well, I had this and I had all of my music and you could burn a CD with your own music. And so I made the mix we called the Booty Juice series. Booty Juice taken from the movie Fear of a Black Hat. If you have not seen it, it's a hilarious music documentary. And I think there were 37 or 38 volumes of just what I thought was really great <laughs> You know, 19 and 20 year old me thought it was really great booty music. And mm-hmm. um, I don't want to say that anyone who was getting it on at Bowling Green State University at that time, it was because of the booty juice mixes. But I burned a lot of those. We're talking like 
probably 70 or 80 of each volume. I have no doubt. Look, there, there is, there is a Monifa. time and a place for that. Maybe some Aaliyah. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a little Dave Matthews. Because look, college girls at that time, they love the Dave. Oh, you listen to Dave? Do you have yeah. the Tim Reynolds Live at Luther College? No, Dave. I have taste in music. Yeah, Sorry. they want that. And they, and they want the soundtrack to Titanic. Oh, anyway, I, I, I moved us off track. You were saying. Yeah, you know, the thing is, I have to recognize kind of where I am in life and what is appealing to me. And I, you know, I can't remember a time when I like to listen to a lot of like booty music mm-hmm. um, and and get it on that way. That just. You're never doing like Montel Jordan. Or no. Like Prince. No, there was always some level of like emotional seduction to it. So like extremes more than words. <laughs> um, no, that's before my time. I was like okay. a child when that was okay. happening. So, so Dave Matthews band then. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, know. cause, cause you were, you were, you were at a big 10 school or like Natalie and Bruglia. Yes. Really? Yes. Wow. So, so then what you're saying is that it, it never really for you was about, it, it wasn't about the bounce, bounce type thing. Okay. No. So so here's my question though. Even though even even if you don't have that kind of love connection with someone, yeah. uh, there was always a hope that you would and that mm. the music would get you there somehow. Okay. That it would transport you. So but what what turned you off about it? Was it was it the beat? Was it kind of the rhythm? Was it It was the, the expectation s- behind it. So that if I put on Prince's something I mean, let's be honest, anything by Kiss? Prince. Yeah. Right, or like most beautiful girl in the world, or get off, or something like that. It's it's almost um, too obvious. It's too obvious, and it and it almost makes me feel a little insecure. Mm-hmm. Like as I was going through my music and what I what I you know what's really appealing to me and what's not, I was I was looking at the uh, the Spotify Valentine's playlist. I have not seen it. Um. And I was laughing at, at a lot of the stuff that was on there. And I realized, you know, I lo- even though I love Beyonce, there's something, about, yeah. there's something about playing Beyonce in a get it on session that is uh-huh. intimidating. That's like, I can't help but think. And this is me being that, like that an the person anxious you are white girl. With is actually thinking about Beyonce. Well... I wasn't going to go there. It was more. I did. It was more about that. me thinking there's no way I'm as good in bed as Beyonce is. I don't know. I guess what I've what I realized is that, you know, there are definitely some sultry female voices that I really enjoy, and we'll get into that. Um, but for the most part, I think I really like to be sung to by a male voice. So again, we're back at extremes more than words. <laughs> no, definitely not. Because I get it. I get it. Nuno Benacourt's, you know, he's you know, great guitar player. And That's all. that that video is way too visual for me. So you're more of a damn Yankees high enough. No, but but I do like a male voice that can hit surprisingly high notes. Not in that way. David Bowie. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, so so like I'm, I'm trying to. This is what I'm trying to get at. Is yeah. What is it? What is it that? And I love that. Like my hands are almost in your face. Like I don't do this very often. Like speaking very with with must, much gesticulation. I'm trying to get down to what is it that makes the song sexy. And you're saying to you, 
for you above all else, it's the voice. It's the voice. Yeah. So I, the, I lyric, have, the lyric is inconsequential. Exactly. I mean, you know, if, if, if the lyrics are really repetitive, right. and not, it's not all grandma about got run over up, by a reindeer or something. Yeah. Like if it's super obvious, you know, but, but a lot of songs are kind of veiled. I mean, you've, you've had this conversation before where a mm-hmm. lot of people think that, you know, their favorite love songs are actually breakup songs sure, or, right. you know, they're really sad. But yeah, for me, I'm not really listening to the lyrics in that moment. It's mm-hmm. all about the mood and kind of the swells of the, of the voice. Mm-hmm. So, which, which is in some ways I'm guessing why you enjoy the music of Bjork so much mm-hmm. because there's so much emotion that what she, what she's saying often becomes completely secondary, if not almost irrelevant. Or it's really just hard to understand what the hell she's saying. There you go. But, uh, yeah, but even Bjork can be like too distracting at times, you know, if sure. she, if she does one of her little screams or something, you know, yeah. it can take me out of it. So you know, I love Bjork, but I don't find her to be the best for the bedroom. Sure, I understand. So, um, so the lyric is secondary. What I what I really gravitate toward yeah. are dreamy voices, mm-hmm. and that could be categorized by a female, you know, Beth kind Gibbons. of alto, sultry voice, mm-hmm. or a male voice, really in any range, as long as as long as he can hit some very beautiful ethereal high notes like Beck does sometimes um, like on morning phase on the song wave. Oh yeah. Like where it's just, so good. It's uh, so then you're not a Barry white kind of gal. No, that feels silly to me. Uh huh. So, so that to you is also kind of, it's too forced. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you have l- lyrics like he has. Right. Well, cause you know, I mean, you and I sit down and listen to Barry white from time to time, but we're, we're like sitting in the living room yeah. enjoying Barry White's exactly, music. Exactly, exactly. Um, it's not like you've made a mix with Barry White and you're like, hey, baby. Hey, this, no, is, this is my Barry White moment. Yeah, I, yeah. I, would, I would laugh. Like, that, that would make me laugh. So it sounds to me, you know, and, and knowing your musical taste a bit, that is why you enjoy things like Portishead and Gold Frap. And, and Zero Seven. And Zero Seven. Yes. Because that voice is right in that frequency range that you like and it's a little wispy and... and um, as you said, ethereal. And sultry. Mm-hmm. So I also, you know, and we're, we're going to weave in and out of this. I asked you to make a list of some of the songs you really find to be incredibly romantic. So my question is, did you make two lists for like romantic versus like bedroom time or is it all one list? It's all one list. Okay. So, so throw a song out there. Any song. Okay. How about Hallelujah. Which version? Jeff Buckley. Because again, see, and this is this is something that drives me nuts a little bit. But yeah. I love you. Um, you don't like the original, the Leonard Cohen version. Maybe, maybe I am thinking of the Leonard Cohen version. No, the the one everybody knows is Jeff Buckley. Hmm. Uh, Hallelujah, which you and I got to experience a very, very uniquely cool version of at mm-hmm. the Beacon Theater a few months ago. Yes, we did. You want to explain that? Uh, we went to go see Tim Minchin. Tim Minchin. Tim Minchin. It was what, a 10 o'clock show or something? I don't remember. It, it was, was pretty late. It was a late show. Because it was New York Comedy And week. he did he did a, a really nice long comedy show in, his, in the musical style that he does. Uh, and um, at the end, he had a couple of surprise performances. And one of them, I think this yeah. was the very last one. I think it was because I think the first one was when they did the song from Matilda. Yeah. And the, the, cast the cast from, from Matilda, Matilda was, was in the balcony. That was really neat. Yeah. But he um, he had 
the had the house lights turned off. Yeah. And the stage lights turned off. I think there was just kind of a very light blue glow yeah. on him. And he sang hallelujah and he asked the audience to sing with him. Yeah. And everyone did. Everyone sang. It and was, it was a really powerful like I cried. It yeah. was it was that good. Yeah. It and was super intense. That emotional. And that but that's my point is like it's a very emotional song and it has a lot of swell to it Mm -hmm. and it you know and it hits those high notes for me even though it's become perhaps a bit cliche yeah i mean look i'm not saying that every time we hit the bedroom i want to listen to that song because it'll probably happen zero times right it it has never happened in fact no it has not um as as with most of my list really but um, <laughs> oh, is it, I'm sorry. Is 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 that just a small? Oh, I'll just say this as an aside. Well, look, you're you're you you have largely been in charge of that playlist. Um, yeah, because you've it's on made my it. You've made it your job. Uh, I think it's pretty good. I'm looking at it right now. It's 137 songs. It's about 10 hours worth of music. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, sounds like it might need some freshening up. It needs a few tweaks. Okay. So, so, uh, so that though is a pretty far cry from something like a zero seven or a gold frap. It is. And it isn't because it, it, you know, the, the kind of slow pace of those songs, I think Mm -hmm. live in the same world. So it's kind of the, the knock of it, if you will, the, the, the swing to it. It's the swing. Yeah. Okay. Cause it don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing. Yeah. So hit me with something else. Um, I will, but then I want to turn it over to you and see kind of what you have on your list. I'll give you a few things. So hallelujah. Just give me one more. Um, how it ends by Devachka. Wow. Okay. Where did you stumble across this song in life? I guess, I mean, I picked up this, that particular Devachka album sometime around, it was sometime between 2007 and 2000. 10 maybe and for people unfamiliar how would you define the music uh that's <laughs> it's hard to define because it because it sounds kind of european yes i don't know it it has like organs to it mm-hmm. um it's it's, it's it kind sounds of a little like a little bit spiritual a little spiritual a little bit old school like i don't sorry i'm <laughs> so distracted by the dog <laughs> He's so lonely. He just wants to be loved. So, okay. And it, cause it's interesting that though, that it is in no way, if people are just listening to two songs in no way, similar to the previously mentioned track. Yeah. But you got to have some different flavors in your Couldn't agree more. playlist Couldn't to, agree more. to keep, to keep things interesting. So speaking of interesting, so the first group, I want to just talk about a group because I feel that their entire catalog fits and it's a group that I had played for you many, many times. And until a few weeks ago, you had never really, I don't think you'd really focused in on the music. And that group is Morphine. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Sandman, to me, one of the coolest, greatest bands ever. And a couple of weeks ago, I finally got Cure for Pain on vinyl because it got a re-release and I picked up a copy and it sounds really, really good. And to me, that that band just oozes sensuality in a way that no other group really has. Just the way that the saxophone just kind of growls and then the bass line just has that really nice, you, you can almost feel like the smoke in the room. It's, it's super sexy to me. 
well, yeah, when you played that album, I was like, ooh, wow. Yeah. This, I, I'm, I'm tingly. It's good. <laughs> but again, listening to it in the living room. Yeah. Nothing going on. Just like, wow, this is, this is really good. And me spazzing out from time to time saying, oh, man, this next song is so awesome and, and things like that, which I've been told probably kills the mood. <laughs> yeah. Ta- suddenly, suddenly talking about what's happening in the mm-hmm. room mm-hmm. while it's happening yeah. is never weird. It's just it's weird. just weird. Weird how that happens. But yeah, to me, morphine is is one of just I I can never get enough of that band. It's the sort of thing I will listen to all their records in the same day and then do it again and again and again. So um jumping in another direction, but kind of not, because for me, because you asked, um, I'm I'm all about the vibe. But also, and you know this, the lyric has to be right. Because mm-hmm. because you, you you know me well enough. I hear the lyric first. Yes, I and, know. And I'm very clued into it. And that's one of the reasons I love Tom Waits so much. Mm-hmm. Because although at face value, a lot of his lyrics may seem a little nonsensical or a little out there, once you really break them down and get into them, they're, they, they have a very special beauty to them. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Tom's just... It's, it's a mixture to me of he's just so cool and and specifically the closing time record mm-hmm. really very very fitting name to me for that album because it, it kind of feels like you're sitting at a bar and there's nobody else there and he's just kind of closing down the house and just playing these songs for you and i think that album to me is sexy in a completely different way and it doesn't have to be you know that that song can be it's especially sexy if your name is martha sure but you know i feel like that record can be super sexy and setting the mood but at the same time it can just be a gorgeous album to enjoy in the evening i totally agree we have done that many times we have we have so uh beautiful beautiful music hit me with something else here so since you're talking about full albums yeah let me just mention something super cliche okay total white girl okay uh garden state soundtrack i know you're gonna (sighs) sigh but there's a lot of great music that Mm -hmm. that was discovered from that fair enough one of the songs that I really love that I think is just a super hot, sexy song uh-huh. is Lebanese Blonde by yeah. Thievery Corporation. Sure. Okay. And and Thievery Corporation, though, is not that far cry from things like Zero Seven and, and Who's Gold Who's on Rap. there? Like, right. th- this is where I discovered but, you Zero know, Seven. It, it falls in kind of that, you know, ambient electronic category where we get things like, you know, the XX and Telephone Tel Aviv. Mm-hmm. Zero seven, as you said, and but yeah, that's that's uh, that's a great that's a great starter, mm-hmm. um, you know. And they ha- that album has songs by Nick Drake, like one of these things first, and Blue Eyes by Carrie Brothers, which I always gravitated toward because I have blue eyes, and I was like, wouldn't it be awesome if a guy sang this to huh. me, um, you know? And Zero uh, Seven had Love in the Waiting Line. It's Again, just called in the waiting line. In is Trust it just me. in the waiting line? Yes. Okay. So, but again, you know, that's where I discovered Zero Seven and then mm-hmm. really got into them and Home and Somersault sure. are really good. Yeah. The C- it's, it's, you know, the first songs. real kind of big time appearances of Sia Furler. Yes. Is, is those performances. And then, you know, all, all of, because uh, I think all of those are on Simple Things. I know. Uh, yes, uh, they are. Yeah. And, and which, 
is a perfect record. It's so good. It, it really is. Like, even there's, when there's you get nothing the male, wrong with that record. Yeah, and even when you get the male vocals on there as well, or the female whose name escapes me, that's not Sia Furler. It's just, it's amazing mood that they've set on that yeah, album. Yeah, it's, it's perfect. You can listen from beginning to end, and it's, it's just an awesome Right, not, not to slam uh, When It Falls, because uh, Passing By, which is a track on there, is, might be my favorite 07 track. Um, sometimes it's Somersault, but... Yeah. Uh, Yes. So, so yes. And I know, you know, and it's funny because I, I really haven't listened to Coldplay in years because they've become so cliche. And because and they're an absolutely abhorrent band. They've, Sorry, they've, please continue. They've become an abhorrent band. No, but yes, when they, the, the when day they, they started first, making music, they became an abhorrent <laughs> when band. When they first came out, though. Yeah, I, I, I liked I liked their vibe. And well, but don't, you were a college girl at the time. I know. We all, and, we all and, loved it. You know, you were, you were at that we Big Ten school. and. Not we all. Please do not group me into that because <laughs> even even in the late 90s and the early aughts, I said, wow, this is a steaming pile of shit. Okay. Well, you're you're entitled to your opinion. Uh, That's not opinion. That is fact. It, the uni- it, and the universe got to see just how terrible they are last year at the Super Bowl. Again, they have become abhorrent. But okay. when they first arrived uh-huh. on the scene, uh-huh. Chris Martin had a super dreamy voice. Look, uh-huh. Gwyneth Paltrow fell for him. Oh, so so that, that, is that is that now <laughs> the bar that w- would Gwyneth Paltrow be into him? Anyway, moving on. Anyway, so God. that that Ugh. was that was an album Ugh. that I think I'm was... gonna sleep on the couch tonight. Coldplay. Ooh. Like I said, I haven't listened to Coldplay what in am years. I married to? But revisiting the Garden State soundtrack, I was like, oh, I mm-hmm. I used to play this for this used to be sexy times. It, yes, it used to be my playground. Anyway. Anyway. Let, let's let's kick it back to you here. Okay. Tell me about some more that's on your list. Well, to me, I think one of the most beautiful albums of all time, and I feel it is great for setting the mood, is the Johnny Hartman, John Coltrane record, which I know you're not a fan of, but it might be because, you know, at, it kind of overkill. Um, It's not that I'm not a fan, but again, some of it feels a little too contrived. My one and only love, things like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's too in your face with the love you okay. stuff. Okay. Um, it's like, yeah, it's a little So much. you want me to put on like CeeLo's, CeeLo's fuck you instead? <laughs> I think there's a there's a middle ground. So, yeah, I think that uh, that record's beautiful and, and I always have. He has, he has a gorgeous voice, um, for sure. The, the other one I'll throw out there and I know we're both huge fans of it is Portishead's Dummy album. Oh, yeah. I mean, beginning to end, that record is untouchable. Glory box. Glory, right, Glory, which which is one of those songs that's funny to me because when it first came out, you're like, man, this song's so great, and you know, you're in your early teens or whatever, or maybe in your teens, and then you get older, and you're like, oh, I know what this <laughs> song is about now, yeah, and and all of a sudden, it just kind of comes into focus and makes sense. So, but moving on, um, George Harrison acoustic, yes, the early sessions album, so good, where none of it's really about love except for, uh, Mama, you've been on my mind, and let it be me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet that's just, it's so raw and just beautiful. Yeah. I, I, I really enjoy his voice and, um, it's really mellow and. So does it have to be mellow to be romantic? Um, that is a good question. That's why I asked it. My job here is to ask good questions. So thank you for letting me know I'm doing my job well. I'm glad I'm validating you. I mean, it's about time. You know, it doesn't have to be super mellow in order to be romantic. Okay, anyway. give me, hit me with another song. So something I hadn't played in a while, uh-huh. um, which I thought about, was My Morning Jacket. 
Oh my God. There are a couple of songs, um, wordless chorus and it beats for you that. So, so I'm suddenly finding out after we've been married nearly a year that you're like an indie alt rock fan. I really am. Jesus. Um, <laughs> I always have been. So this podcast is going to become the recently single podcast. <laughs> Why'd you leave her? She sent a fucking cold play in my morning jacket. And um, you know, I, I, I went to go see them perform and I was really On purpose. Yes. Like you paid money in the early aughts. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I was very impressed. And the lead singer was just, he was dead sexy. Okay. Uh, moving on. Uh, but listen, the things that, that, look, I don't expect you to be turned on by the same things that, right, that turn me on. Because, because that, that would be just weird. That'd be really weird. So here's a, here's a question, though. Mm. A very specific song, Fleetwood Mac's Dreams. Yeah. Sexy or not sexy? It's, uh, it's very sexy. Okay. It's, it's a sexy song, but you know what? I probably wouldn't, I probably wouldn't pick that for a mix. That's what I'm getting at. Why? I think it's because Stevie's voice is so terrible. I think it would be distracting. I mean, I love it. Why would would it be distracting because you love it? It might be distracting because it's one of my favorite songs and I would be Uh like singing along to it and not really like fully tuned into the moment. Uh Okay. Um, but that's just me. So, it's but I think for a lot of people, it would just be distracting because she has a very distinctive voice. Um, like if somebody put Tom Petty on, like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, you, you know, you could, you could put the two of them on with stop dragging my heart around. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, there's something, there's something almost like a little too intense. So maybe if someone did a cover of it, cause the song itself musically and the sway and everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So let's get back to someone who I feel makes the sexiest music ever, Prince. Mm-hmm. Just no chance. I mean, like, to me, everything he's ever, almost everything he's ever done just oozed sexuality from, you know, the super early singles like Erotic City to, you know, Cream, Get Off, Seven. Yeah. Even even when he wasn't trying to be sexy. Prince he was, was sexy. sexy. Yeah. I've got no beef with with super sexy prince mm-hmm. in a, in a bony time mix. Mm-hmm. Bony time. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. That's a thing now, apparently. I have no problems with that. Okay. Interesting. I think, um, maybe the one song that I would have trouble with that I might laugh at would be diamonds and pearls. Okay. Well, I think there are specific songs here and there where you're like, it's just like a little too cheesy. Right. Right. Like, I wouldn't want Purple Rain to come on. I mean, why not? Well, I'd start singing. You know? Well, see, there you go. Like, you know, no, if nothing it's, if like it's a song that you know saying, that you know, well, then maybe maybe it, it's just too distracting. Sure. Maybe that's what we're figuring sure, out. If you're, making like, out you, you're just like, I've never meant to cause you any trouble. Yeah, maybe, maybe you shouldn't put songs in that type of mix. Anyway, what else you got? Okay, well, you know that I love Leon Russell. I do. And he also has a very distinctive voice. Very much so. Um, but... I think it's pretty sexy. Mm-hmm. And there are a couple of songs that uh, from him that, that I really love and, and that could easily go into a Boney Time mix. Okay. Which is, okay, I guess it's... A Song for mm-hmm. You. Of course. Which is classic. Mm-hmm. But, but that is a very heavy-handed lyric. So that kind of goes in contradiction to what you've been saying. It is. It is. I, but I guess, I don't know, I just love him. Maybe mm-hmm. he's the exception. 
What about the Ray Charles version of it? Are you, you know? I have no, no, no problems with that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I also really love Hummingbird. Okay. If you're familiar with I it. Am. Yeah. I really, I love songs sung about women <laughs> by men. Uh-huh. Um, so like Lola. Well, actually, I guess a song about a man. Janie's got a gun. Uh, no, not not quite like that. But you know, a, a song sung out of love for someone. Um, mm-hmm. I find that I I find that very romantic. Okay. And what woman doesn't want a song written about her? Like, well, I, it depends on the song. True. <laughs> but I, in, I've written songs about many women in my uh, life. Fair, fair. But I mean, in in that in that way. Uh-huh. I think we we would all like to have a song written about us by the you know from the person we love. Okay. I'm just gonna stare at you for a while. <laughs> you're just gonna you're just putting that out there into the universe. I I know that you know how to play a guitar. Is that's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I'm just putting that out there. Okay. Yeah, you know I I really have a lot of dudes on this list. Like mm-hmm. I have Boney Vare on here, but I don't love a lot of his stuff. But Skinny Love is good. Uh, no. No, um, no. not a big Sam Smith's fan. That's okay. But stay with me is, is a sexy song too. Uh, so what are your thoughts on REM? Well, you know, making it into this you know, list. REM for me is a little difficult because of how much I love that band. Mm-hmm. And again, the density of the lyric is very distracting to me because, you know, to me, Michael Stipe is, is if not the greatest, one of the two or three greatest lyricists of his generation. And I, I adore Michael's voice, like I know him. And very hit or miss, if I could go undistracted. What song are you thinking? I was thinking Man in the Moon. You know, I... Or no. Night Swimming. Maybe Night Swimming. I almost feel, though, that Night Swimming is, going back to your original thing, of it's a bit... It, like, too heavy-handed? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's it's a bit heavy-handed, although... I did notice it is on the mix, the current mix. Um, I just wanted to check because I thought it might, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, something like "Try Not to Breathe" maybe or um, uh, "Half a World Away" is mm-hmm. always a beautiful song. Yeah, but I don't know. It, it might be kind of the same grounds as yours with Stevie Nicks. It might be a little too distracting for me because of how much I I love those songs. You know? Yeah, well, because I I really do love REM, but I I hear you. It might be distracting yeah. but I love his voice mm-hmm. Michael Stipe has a beautiful voice yes. and that's what, that's what I really gravitate toward and, and, and you know one of the common threads through everything you've mentioned is, is these are people who really sing with a lot of emotion it's mm-hmm. not it's not you know very pale music if you will it's not very plain music there right. are people who can go in and they can knock out a vocal and it sounds really good but it's kind of it's a little inauthentic mm-hmm. um, and you know whether it's Michael Stipe or Jeff Buckley or Leon Russell you know, these these are people bearing their soul on record and, mm-hmm. and you can really hear that and I think that raises the intensity of the song. Absolutely. If it if it touches you there in your mm-hmm. crying place, mm-hmm. I think it makes everything better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. So what we've discovered cuz I like tears in the bedroom. Of course. Of so course. everyone knows. If, if if you're not if you're not crying and you're doing <laughs> it right. Um so what we found is that it's really for you so much more about the voice the vocal then above all else and to me it's the actual mood of the song and it can't have a distracting lyric to me mm-hmm. because there are a lot of times that the song tries to sound all sexy and sentimental but i end up giggling because the lyric is just so asinine mm-hmm. um or sophomoric so 
Um, although, look, like I said, get, you know, looping all the way back, Montel Jordan, Let's Ride, was on some of those early mixes, and you don't get more in like next too close. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So this is, I mean, this is totally not what people are going to expect from this conversation. They're they're expecting us to talk about songs like Pony to put on your mix. Well, but but I think this is that is and the like point here. Shoop. Is that you know you don't need to be that heavy handed, and maybe you shouldn't be that heavy handed. The the subtlety of truly beautiful and romantic songs is far greater than the people who are really just overdoing it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's why like you're compensating for something. Yeah, you you're need compensating that music. for something, right? Or you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it's why a lot of pop stars, Britney Spears, really go out there and kind of perform. <laughs> almost naked because the music doesn't have much going for it. I'm not saying that songs like toxic aren't fantastic dance songs because they are, but it doesn't have soul. There's no soul to it. Many thanks to my lovely wife, even with her sometimes questionable taste in music. And yes, once I post this podcast, I guess I have to go make some adjustments to the playlist, right? Make sure you hit me up on Twitter at at Get Air Fuel and at The Daily Guru and let me know your favorite tracks for, as my wife so eloquently put it, bony time. Now, before we wrap the episode, I do, of course, have your weekly Ear Fuel listening assignment. For those of you new to the podcast, each week I assign an album to listen to in full, beginning to end, without any distractions or interruptions. It stems from the idea that these days music has become relegated to a background task. You're at the gym, you're driving, you're at work, whatever. And this assignment is about taking some time each week to consciously listen to music for the sake of music alone. This week, you know what? You've got a ton of songs that we discuss, so go put together your own killer mix for those special moments. Or just go listen to Morphine because they're such an awesome band. Or both. As always, the podcast is available in the iTunes and Google Play stores, along with at GetEarFuel.com. And if no one else loves you, remember, music always loves you. That is your weekly Ear Fuel. Share and enjoy. (laughs) 